Welcome to the Restore Body Balance podcast, where we take an integrative approach combining psychology, biology, and neurology to enact life changes that stick. I'm Colleen Burns, licensed psychotherapist and founder of Restore Body Balance. And I'm Nico Yotanis, co-producer of this podcast. In today's episode, we will discuss building resilience, especially during COVID-19. Antidoting stress by building resilience is more important now than ever. How will we approach this, Colleen? Well, Nico, picking up after our last podcast, we now have a roadmap to the brain. And we can use mind-body medicine to actually antidote stress and build resilience. And because we ended our podcast last week on how to build resilience, I thought it might be a good idea to talk about, once again, my stress management and resiliency training, which is also called SMART, at the Mass General Hospital with the Benson Henry Institute and obviously support and research by the Harvard Department of Psychiatry. And there we learned mind-body medicine. And they told us it contained just about three elements, research, clinical practices, and education, which is why I was drawn to the program. At the BHI, the Benson Henry Institute, we learned two interesting concepts regarding stress. The things I like to geek out on, Nico. Basically, we're going to talk about the prefrontal cortex again. It is responsible for what we call top-down processing, and it is activated in non-stress-based responses. Here, it is responsible for clear thinking and rational thoughts. And when not stressed, it helps us not to have emotional or physical responses to stress. Or we like to call it being the foreman in charge of a bunch of other people that need to do what they tell them to do, or he or she. Then there is what we call bottom-up processing. And there, we have to look at when we're in the stress-based response. So in bottom-up processing, we are thinking stressful thoughts and not rational thinking. But mind-body relaxation, or as the famous Dr. Herbert Benson said, eliciting the relaxation response that he founded, helps us to increase our ability to elicit the prefrontal cortex for that rational thinking or top-down thinking. That's very interesting. Does this explain why in times of stress, tasks that we definitely know how to do, we can't seem to figure out? Even thinking during times of stress can be particularly hard. A great example I remember is the road tests. I remember when I was getting my license, I heard so many horror stories about the instructors giving the test that I became so stressed. Things that I knew how to do became hard to remember. I know your son is going through driver's ed right now, Colleen, so I'm sure he can relate to that. He is, and by the way, Zoom drivers at Nico. So <laughs> that should be interesting. <laughs> but there, yeah, there are lower parts of our brain that are also activated when we are stressed, like the amygdala that we referenced last week when I made the analogy of it being like your smoke detector. 
so that when it's activated, it sets off a cascade of stress-related changes throughout the body and redirects neurons from what we call self-regulation. And these activate other neurons in the lower limbic system, which is part of the brain that also controls our emotions. And this redirection leads to that oxidative stress and the cellular release of inflammatory molecules. Also, hormones such as epinephrine and cortisol take charge and they signal other changes such as increased heart rate and lowered immunity. The lowered immunity aspect is an important piece in today's climate. I know one of the first podcasts we did was on building immunity in response to COVID-19. But the stress-based response can also help us during crucial times, right? Yes, Nico. As we have said, it's awesome to get us out of danger like running away from something or hitting the brakes in the car. But chronically hanging out there, as most of us do, leads to this what we call long-term wear and tear on our body. And that's what we often refer to as allostatic overload or oxidative stress. And remember, I know our listeners hear me say this every week, allostasis is good when we have to get out of danger. We just don't want to be chronically hanging out there leading to that oxidative stress that does all those bad things to our body that I just mentioned. And that bottom-up network becomes easily triggered and more difficult to shut off because we just habituate it and keep using it and make it stronger, right? So when we listen to how Dr. Herbert Benson, who discovered that we could elicit the relaxation response, which is the opposite of fight or flight, and I always like to put this anecdote in, which is, so the famous Dr. Herbert Benson of Mass General Harvard uh, graduate discovered the opposite of fight or flight, which is the relaxation response, in the same room at Harvard that the founder of, or the discoverer of the fight or flight response. And I just thought that that was kind of bizarre, but in a really cool way. Um, So I thought I'd throw that in there. But when we look at, again, that bottom-up network is becoming more easily triggered, right? More easily aroused and more difficult to shut off. And it alters the signals of the top-down processing, which puts us in a more rational state. But this is also what we call neuroplasticity. And for our listeners, since we don't want to hang out in the stress-based response, how do we get into the relaxation response? And of course, for our listeners who want a quick read about the relaxation response, it's a little red book you can buy on Amazon and probably read it about an hour. But it's by Dr. Herbert Benson, and it's actually called The Relaxation Response. But for our purposes today, let's walk our listeners through how to do that. The good news is that the relaxation response is an inborn philosophy to get the mind-body working, okay? That that mind-body connection. And to sustain it, we need to have an alert, non-thinking state of mind. And we also have to be open and receptive to change and attitude. 
So it's similar to learning a musical instrument in a way. Did you ever do that, Nico? Did you ever learn an instrument? Uh, sort of. I took drums and guitar lessons growing up, but if someone handed me a guitar now, I wouldn't have the slightest idea. That could be another quarantine activity I can pick up when I run out of things to cook, Colleen. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> I know, people are learning languages. I sometimes feel like a bit of a schmuck because I'm not doing any of that. Although I think I said that I did make bread, but anyway, um, so I, I did join that movement. So so getting back to the musical instrument, Peg Bame, who's a, a nurse and uh, the director of the Benson Henry Institute, referred to it as learning a musical instrument that we need to first learn the notes and the rhythm before the real potential is seen. So I played piano and the flute, and it's sort of the same type of thing. And for anybody out there that has a child at home who is getting through listening to their child learn an instrument, it's a little rough at first, right? But again, you know, we're not looking to, to have a symphony here, but what we're looking to do is once you learn the notes and you learn tone and you learn rhythm, you can eventually play a song and everything synthesized together. So that's what we're doing with eliciting the relaxation response. And the good news is that there's different methods for different people. And we mentioned different apps and monitors in the last podcast that will provide that direct biofeedback. So when we can actually see when we are in the stress-based response and when we are in the relaxation response. And again, those um, devices were things like the whistle, Calmigo, and uh, Hello Core, and Core is the device. And again, thank you, Nico, for once again showing your talents to update the website so that our listeners can go to, I think we, what did we entitle it? Favorite products. Favorite products. So our listeners can go there um, and that goes directly to the website and feel free to reach out to me uh, because I spoke to both Calmingo and to HelloCore and they uh, graciously provided me with a discount code for um, our subscribers and or my clients. So um, feel free to reach out to uh, www.restorebodybalance.com and the contact page to get in touch with us. Okay, so getting back to the musical instrument and the apps. This relaxation response can be elicited, but we need to practice, just like a musical instrument and learning the notes. And it's also why I love this analogy, because we're also using that brilliant power of the habituated brain. So tagging this exercise onto bookending your day, like I always say, brushing your teeth or showering is really important. Yeah, and we might even add those codes to the favorite products page, so stay tuned for that as well. And another important thing is dealing with new routines, especially in adaptation to our ever-changing pandemic. You did a really helpful YouTube video, Colleen, called The Psychology of Changing At-Home Routines for Families. For those of you listening, head over to the Restore Body Balance YouTube channel to learn how important these new routines are. Creating new routines and dealing with everyone at home at the same time, or even if you live by yourself, creating new routines is just as important. 
That's great, Nico. And, you know, there's several important research studies going on right now because we are once again together <laughs> as families. So that's that's a great thing to remind our listeners to go there and get some sage feedback and support. So what I often reference that famous 478 breath and why it's important because the elongated out breath is what slows our heart, heart rate down. We also allow memories, thoughts, and feelings to come up. Okay, so when we're breathing or being mindful or meditating, that's really what it's about. It's about having thoughts and feelings come up and having an adaptive response as opposed to that habituated response in the bottom-up network. Every time is an opportunity to cope and to allow your brain to do its job. And it will adapt and quite frankly become adept at dealing with anxiety, tension, stress, or any other emotion that might arise. But it does take practice. And I learned the hard way. Um, My first experience was traveling to Nepal and, and quite frankly, hiking through the mountains to Tengboshe where there was a monastery. And by the way, an odd sense of what they called a bakery. But mind you, we were in deep snow and uh, near the beautiful mountain ranges. And so I tried so hard to just sit and meditate. And that transferred back to sitting in Somerville, Massachusetts, across from the Burren, my favorite Irish pub. All I could think about was going over there and getting fish and chips when I was learning to meditate here in the States. But it's really super hard, but we can adapt. And your brain will allow every opportunity to finally become very good at meditating and being mindful. Some types of meditation and mindfulness would be single pointed focus, which is a Zen meditation. Initially, you use your breath and to the count of 10, this is also in my book for any listener that wants to know, or you can even just Google Zen meditation, but I adapted it. So the original is you breathe in and out, and they said just this. So in, just, out, this. And you say that with your breath. In, just, out, this. And that is the Tina Han where he developed this very famous Zen meditation. I use just be in my book because I just liked that better. That was more relatable to me. But anybody can use their own phrases. And of course, we talked about Dr. Andrew Wiles' 478 diaphragmatic breathing. And of course, the devices that we mentioned that give you the direct biofeedback. Because a patient asked me the other day, well, what is it? feel like to be in that state? What does it feel like to be mindful or meditating? And quite frankly, when you're in that parasympathetic nervous system of rest and relax, rest and restore, rest and digest, rest and reproduce, everything we need to be functioning optimally, we need to be doing in the parasympathetic nervous system. That's what it feels like. It feels really relaxed, really comfortable. And again, the brain wants to feel that, but we just need to remind it and teach it that that exists. It's funny that you mentioned aligning phrases with your breath. I never thought about it before, but I recently became aware of how powerful 
meditation with a mantra is providing positive affirmations that come from within. That's right, Nico. And as Peg Bame says from the Benson Henry Institute, shh, the brain hears everything you say. <laughs> It's also ways to build a resistance and buffer stress when we even just think of positive emotions. You sort of bring them online. I also mention in my book, in my program, to bring abundance in every day, right? The Benson Henry Institute uses appreciations, but other people can use the word gratitude. But it is important to antidote stress for what is good. So instead of downloading at the end of the day what was bad, we need to start to train our brain what was good, especially during our current COVID climate. We have to start looking at not being drawn to the bad news because of stranger danger. That was awful. Remember it. Put it in the prefrontal cortex so we never do that again. But it's also looking for a better life. And so give it one. The acronym I give it is literally ONE, O-N-E, which stands for Observe, Negate, and Echo. And again, that comes from my training as a cognitive behavioral therapist, but it's also proven scientifically from the Benson Henry Institute of what they call cognitive reappraisal. It's essentially cognitive behavioral therapy, but we're reappraising it for the better. So I still have my broken foot, Nico. <laughs> And again, I have to find meaning in it, right? And I know for our listeners, they might just want to not even listen any further, but I promise you it's scientific. It is evidence-based from Mass General, more than Mass General Hospital, but, you know, going for where my training is, it is proven to antidote stress and stop that allostatic loading. I hope your foot is healing well, Colleen. These are all topics that you also mentioned and expand on in your book, Prescription for Change, Using Your Lifestyle as Medicine. For those of you listening, you can head to www.restorebodybalance.com book to learn more and read the book on change. One of my favorite parts about the book is it achieves change over eight gradual shifts, including the mentioned abundance, and there's a corresponding journal in the back of the book so that you can achieve the shifts on your own terms. And just to give you credit, you know, Nico did design that beautiful journal. Uh, I dedicated the second journal to Nico because folks felt so good about accomplishing the first eight shifts. They wanted to continue um, to make that part of their daily routine. And so uh, the book wouldn't be the book without the journal. So we must thank Nico. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. We can also borrow some more from SMART, which again, stress management and resiliency training, like building resilience into our lifestyle. So when we are looking at mindfulness and mind-body techniques, we slowly see neural changes in the top-down processing of the cerebral cortex. So in the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned we now have a roadmap to the brain and using fMRI imaging, we can see these neural changes happening in vivo, in real time. Basically, the scientists could actually observe and track anti-oxidizing cellular mechanisms. 
I mean, that to me is amazing. We can actually see us antidoting stress and looking at minimizing that oxidative stress or allostatic loading on the body. And it's about focusing your attitudes, behaviors, and really your lifestyle that enhances coping and better stress management through these mind-body interactions. Mindfulness can help you to explore and recognize your core beliefs that actually keep you in the stress-based response, making it very difficult to cope with stress. So it's about stress awareness. And then we have to look at the adaptive strategies to buffer and manage stressful situations like COVID-19. And every time you do it, again, like practicing an instrument, you get used to recognizing your stressors and your maladaptive responses to them. But when we then appraise or reappraise or one, which is observe, negate, and echo, which we mentioned in a last podcast, but I'll quickly educate our listeners about what that means. But when we reappraise and add positive expectations, you truly do buffer stress and build resilience. So one, meaning you observe your thoughts, which is the O, N is you negate the negative ones, and then E is you echo the positive, right? And you say it several times, which is what an echo is. You say it out loud and it bounces back to you. So how do we identify stressors? Sometimes we are so caught up in our thoughts that it is hard to pinpoint the stress triggers. That's a great question, Nico. Let's start by identifying our stress triggers. Maybe going out right now during this time of COVID-19, maybe the stressor might be, I'm going to catch COVID-19 or I'm going to give COVID-19 to somebody, which is a scary thought because sometimes they say you're infectious or contagious uh, without having any symptoms. It's a very scary thing because we can't see it, right? We can't prevent it in that sense. We can hand wash, social distance, and wear masks. But just in terms of do we have it is a very scary thing. When we were at the Mass General Hospital at Benson Henry Institute, we used these little liquid bio dots to monitor our stress response. And it was very, very cool for me to watch it eventually turn blue. And that's where, again, the products like Core, hellocore.com, and Calm Me Go, um, literally Calm Me Go, on the go, because it plays into that idea of guiding you. Okay, for Calm Me Go, and I'm going to do a YouTube video for our listeners to demonstrate how both of these work and how I use them in my practice. You actually use your breath and there's a little vibration. So as you breathe in, lights go off and there's a vibration and it it basically alerts you to when you're finally into the parasympathetic nervous system. I mean, I'm truly impressed with the product. And Core is a similar biofeedback device but it's handheld with some biofeedback sensors that you put your thumbs on and you can download their app and actually 
do guided meditations, breath work, listen to nature, listen to sounds, listen to calming voices and, and singing. And again, it's that idea of somebody sort of guiding you to do things. But we can find creative ways and adaptive perspectives and behaviors without using any device as well. Like for example, you might say, yeah, I'm stuck at home, but I feel safe. Or we've certainly learned a lot about ourselves and our families. <laughs> and sometimes our family dynamics were actually reconfigured. So, you know, a lot of people actually started therapy, Nico, because they finally had time or they could do it online, which was a more approachable way for them to enter into what can sometimes feel very overwhelming or intimidating. And again, we have to look for meaning and milk it for all it's worth. With my broken foot, I am healing and looking at my x-rays, yes, my foot was still a little displaced. It wasn't 100% healed a couple weeks ago and I was initially down, but the doctor says, you are healing. I just want it mineralized a little bit more. And that got me doing some research on collagen and of course calcium and ways to feed and fuel my body. And of course, doing what the doctor ordered, which is to stay off of it. So it's a couple more weeks to go and um, I'm, I'm gonna get through it. So that's cognitive reappraisal and positive expectation. And for our COVID-19 climate, we can look at that as well, right? We have to see what is our positive expectation, not just from a sort of philosophical term, but it's well-researched and tied to improved mental and physical health benefits. We also need hope, Nico, right? In belief in oneself. I know this is the idea of self-efficacy, but what self-efficacy is, is that you can feel like you can handle challenging times and maybe more generally just kind of power through and overcome this. I know that that's my thought right now is that I know we will, we will get through this, we will overcome. However, we also know that anxiety thrives on uncertainty and that's certainly our current culture right now. It's pretty much the year of anxiety and probably should be another podcast, Nico. That just catching the virus, but also the insecurity and uncertainty of jobs and missing our loved ones, uh, resources. I mean, really? We had a toilet paper shortage? That's classic anxiety, right? It's an election year. Well, I could just go on and on, but we can see a mixture of coping from digesting all of the literature, from an array of sources and feeling like we could predict and feel informed to some people just limiting what they are exposed to. And both are okay. They really are to some extent, as long as you don't go down the rabbit hole. But as I say to my patients, some anxiety is good and meant to be unpleasant to get us out of danger, but it's that perceived threat or one that we make up in our heads. And that is what will secrete more hormones in an effort to increase our survival. So I'm just gonna say that again, because remember, when you make something up in your head, ruminating, perseverating on something, you are actually secreting more hormones. 
in an effort to increase your survival, okay? And we become a prisoner in our own anxiety. And so again, we antidote this and build our resilience by breath work, deep breathing, four, seven, eight breathing, reappraisal, and positive expectation. And what about help from nutrition? I know you are an integrative health coach as well. And as you always say, Colleen, food equals mood. Well, thank you for bringing that up, Nico. Um, My education at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition really is what set my practice restore body balance in motion because we can give support to our nervous system by eating well, sleeping soundly when possible, and our diet. As we mentioned in another podcast, the Mediterranean diet is rich in some of the key vitamins, mainly B vitamins. And some research now shows that some B vitamins, or essentially eight B vitamins, are optimal for neurological functioning. I never really read the magazine Psychology Today because it's always in my waiting area, so I very rarely get my hands on it. But with the COVID-19 climate, I finally took the time to flip through it the other day. And there was a great article, and it was written by Hera Estroff Morano. And she found some research around the essentially eight B vitamins. B1, which is thiamine. B2, which is riboflavin. B3, pantothenic acid. B6, pyridoxine. B7, which is biotin. B9, which is folate. And B12, which is cobalamin. Including all of these eight is optimal for our neurological functioning. And as she said in the article, just a little bit of a depletion in one affects all eight as they're interrelated. I'll just say this for our listeners. You know, I do a lot of research when it comes to what I put in my own body and certainly what I would recommend for my own patients. So I'll just throw it out there now. One of my favorite brands to get all of those B vitamins in one tiny little pill or gummy is a brand called Smarty Pants. The reason I like them is that they actually have very specific formulas for kids, teens, men, women, and women over 50. And they call it the PhD formula, which I think is hysterical. They also come in capsules and gummies. They're vegan, they're well-researched by third-party labs that they test, which I think is vitally important. They're free of GMOs, gelatin, sugar. Even the gummies are one of the lowest gummies in sugar. Let's just say it's a basically good overall vitamin. That's so funny. I was actually reading up on Smarty Pants gummies last night. I recently ran out of Rainbow Light men's vitamins, which are great, but they're such a tough pill to swallow. Every time I eat one, I shake because it tastes so bad. But with your recommendation, I'll definitely try out Smarty Pants. What about other areas of integrative health? Well, of course, Nico, there's always the gut. Uh, Again, I was so impressed by the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, I went on to get a secondary certification on gut health. And when I went there to study to get that, we went to great detail about the research on the microbiome, i.e. our gut, which is also our third nervous system after all, the enteric nervous system and it communicates directly from the brain to the gut axis. 
So when we get stressed, guess what? That inflammatory response that we talked about also happens in our gut. It's bi-directional. So guess what? The brain gets inflamed, the gut gets inflamed, and then the brain gets inflamed again, making anxiety worse. We also see the power of probiotics here. Um, the author I mentioned from the Psychology Today article, Hera Estroff Morano, also talked about the power of adding probiotics, specifically Lactobacillus raminos. Now here, I tell my clients to find also a good probiotic. And by the way, that was Ramnosus, Lactobillus Ramnosus. You just go look for the brand <laughs> Jaro, uh, which is one of my favorite probiotics. It is in the refrigerated section at Whole Foods, but you can also buy it on Amazon or online. One of my favorite Jaro products is also Jarodophilus. It also has plus FOS. The FOS are the prebiotics. Not to be plugging our podcast all the time today, but that's also one of our episodes where we talked about the benefits of probiotics and we mentioned why prebiotics are very important for probiotics to work optimally. This particular brand is also vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, and non-GMO, but you know, it just happens to agree with my system when starting a probiotic start off really slow, maybe taking one and building your way up uh, every couple of days. Some people experience GI distress when adding a probiotic, so it is important to buy a small bottle and one that actually works with your system, but don't give up if you have initial GI distress. In general, it should go away. If it doesn't, then you need to find another brand. There's also a brand for probiotics that's called Go Live. Uh, that does not need refrigeration, and it comes in packets and in a powder in a container. You can get them in flavors or flavorless, but that's something that I do when I travel. I like to carry my probiotics with me. You can sprinkle them on food or put them in water. So I just like to give our listeners some recommendations um, because that's the first thing a patient will ask me when they leave a session or my office office as well. I don't know what to buy. I'm so overwhelmed. So hopefully that will just guide guide our listeners to uh, beginning uh, going down this path. That's great information, Colleen. Probiotics can be daunting even when you're looking to buy your first bottle. I even have a couple of friends that didn't know where to start, including myself. And I also mention this a lot, but kombucha contains plenty of probiotics. My favorite is GT's kombucha, and for those of you listening, I definitely recommend heading to their website to read the story on the company. It's very inspirational and it explains how kombucha made its way to the U.S. from the Himalayan mountains. Oh, Nico, what, that's wonderful. Um, I learned about that from you, so thank you. And it's obviously near and dear to my heart since I hiked through there. <laughs> so let's also look at some additional supports we can give the body. You know, there's newer research on magnesium, but I recently bought calm gummies for my son, who I've mentioned is a swimmer, but I bought it because it actually, magnesium is essential for many, many, many systems in the body. I think it's something like over 300 things that it's involved in. And so we can be easily depleted under stress or meaning stress, stress in our head or stress in our feelings, but also stress with working out. So I gave them to my son to help him his muscles relax at night. But oddly, that feeling of relaxation 
and your muscles relaxing also gives you that kind of calm, sleepy feeling, which is where they got the name from. Magnesium is also well known uh, to relieve insomnia. I know I found one study that actually saw that it helped to decrease cortisol, the stress hormone, that will keep you up at night. That's really interesting. I'm prone to migraines and magnesium is also supposed to help those, but I've never tried it. And I never knew it could also help relieve insomnia. That's true, Nico. And like I said, all of these are recommendations from me, but anybody can consult their healthcare practitioner for further advice. Let's also look at me going back to my favorite, which is the sensories, right? So I always like to get the five senses engaged when we talk about building resilience and antidoting stress. So, for example, I've also been lighting candles. You combine that with meditation and mindfulness. Like we mentioned in the beginning, the single point of focus. Just lighting a candle and gently gazing into it at its flickering flame can be very relaxing and a form of mindfulness and meditation. And of course, you also have the olfactory or when we talked about Comigo, they have the different filters you can use like mint and lavender. And because I mentioned all of this in my book and in my practice years ago, hopefully, you know, all of that I pioneered will uh, pay off because now we can actually look at the research where all of this is scientifically supported. Other things that our listeners can do is write down what recharges our battery. You know, and I take that from the Benson Henry Institute, the SMART program. Again, I was doing this with cognitive behavioral therapy before I went down the path for that certification. But again, as a psychotherapist, we never had a roadmap to the brain. So it was very hard to convince clients to do any of this stuff. But, you know, it's really important to look at what recharges our battery. I mean, I didn't realize before the pandemic how much I needed to be around friends. I actually get really recharged after a night out with, you know, my friends for dinner or if they're coming to my house. Quite frankly, I get like a little excited and a little like, you know, pumped up running around happily preparing, cooking, even cleaning didn't feel like work when I anticipated a nice time with my friends. Maybe the cleaning up though, Nico. Now, don't forget that stress-based response is a habituated response. So we react the same way each time, both emotionally and physically. Peg Bame at the Benson Henry Institute said, the prefrontal cortex makes us very good time travelers because we can both focus on the past and in the present especially with threats. And the stress also activates the cerebral network and as we said, thereby diminishing the top-down executive functioning, which is where we want to be because it causes deficits in working memory, concentration, and regulation of mood and behaviors. That's so interesting that it's a habituated response. So we react in the same way each time, both emotionally and physically. That's right. And that's why, you know, in our practice at the Restore Body Balance, we combine psychology, biology, and as I say, the habituated 
neurology of the brain. So with anxiety, we're looking at a root. Where does anxiety come from? It's a lack of safety and control. And think about our current COVID-19 climate. There's a lot of lack of safety and control. We don't know what's going to happen. And then the more we think, both in the past and then forecast into the future, these negative emotions are just embedded and imbued in the bottom-up cerebral network. And as you said, Nico, the more they are engaged, the more the paired stimulus response to the neural connectivity. It's important for our listeners to understand their individual responses to stress. So for example, I'll ask my patients to look at other behaviors like eating carbohydrates. <laughs> it's a typical response to stress, okay, but it's driven by two biological forces. One being, it's a quick source of energy. And number two, it sets off stress with the top-down network of pleasure. And meditation and mindfulness is indeed top-down, and the body will eventually see it as pleasure. Trust me, that's where that instrument analogy comes in, such that we have to practice. So again, bottom-up, we're in the stress-based response, top down we're in executive control which we like and meditation and mindfulness helps us strengthen that top-down network others could be a stress response for behaviors like immediate gratification smoking and drinking I know there's been a huge uptake on people you know drinking and vaping and finding ways to cope and relax There's also sometimes a shift in our appetite. So if we're not going for the quick fix of carbohydrates, it could also be a lack of appetite and a shift in digestion. Because again, in the stress-based response, we want to empty the gut or empty the bladder because we need all of our strength and energy to pump blood to our heart to get into that fight or flight response. And also, just lastly, Some folks are becoming socially distant because of the distrust or safety, and others of us are craving attention and support. But all of these need to be explored individually, and they need to be antidoted. So I know a lot of people are zoomed out, but this is a time to look to connecting with phone calls or FaceTime or to a therapist or socially distant outside with a friend for dinner. But the more we can become attuned to this activation and apply the adaptive perspective and strategies, the more we don't have to suffer. Those are all great points. And I especially appreciated the eating carbs point because I remember when I was in college and I would stay up all night to study, I would crave oyster crackers or saltines which is something that i normally didn't crave but it did provide me with the energy the extra jolt to keep going but i think it might have been a response to stress of crash studying right before a test so thank you colleen you've expanded on what triggers our stress and building resilience during these uncertain times if those of you listening would like additional resources or coaching you can head to www.restorebodybalance.com to view our programs and buy the book on change. Additionally, feel free to head to the Restore Body Balance YouTube channel for more resources. 
Psychology Today is another great resource to help you find providers in your area based on your needs.